0: Hello and welcome to the Libertarian Podcast from the Hoover Institution. I'm your host, Troy Sinek, joined as always by the Libertarian himself, Professor Richard Epstein, Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution as well as Professor of Law at NYU and Senior Lecturer at the University of Chicago. Today, Jim Comey leaves the FBI and Richard, this is a rare episode of the Libertarian Podcast being recorded sort of just as news breaks. We've just heard over the last few hours – that President Trump has fired the FBI director that he inherited from President Obama, Jim Comey, and this was not something that was uh, widely anticipated, caught a lot of people off guard. Several different ways that we're going to go here, but let me just start with the basics. There are some folks this evening, some of them you might say a little breathless, uh, talking about this as a constitutional crisis, especially because the FBI was in the process of investigating the administration over the possible ties with Russia during the election. Um, We can get to the substance of that in a moment, but procedurally, that question, a constitutional crisis, anything troubling um, on its face about a president firing his FBI chief?
1: well there's always something troublesome about firing somebody who's investigating into your affairs but to compare this to watergate in 1974 when there was a genuine constitutional crisis because all the illegalities had been pretty much uh, accepted and it turns out once he fired archibald cox and the entire justice department resigned and so forth leaving robert bork on top this is not that i mean first of all there's nothing proven either way Um, and secondly the investigation continues on one of the things that one has to remember is that until the successor is appointed there will be an acting successor that will probably be some career official inside the FBI there's no particular evidence that the person who's going to take over uh, to run the FBI is going to shut down this investigation and if he did or she did try to shut that thing down then I think there really would be a great degree of how so my view about this is that the uh, issue is puzzling everything that Donald Trump does is puzzling he's good one day, bad the next but a constitutional crisis can't be made out until one sees the way in which this thing goes. So that's the first point. Second point is that the FBI doesn't have a monopoly on investigation. Uh, There's an investigation going on in the Senate at this very time about all of this stuff and there's no reason to believe that that's going to stop because of what's happened here. Indeed, I think the relevant people have already announced that that investigation is going to continue pretty much the way in which it has gone. And third, just in case one hasn't noticed that the uproar, some of it quite hysterical, means that Trump is going to be uh, put pretty much into a tight bind in terms of who he appoints. One of the more hysterical statements that I heard was by Jeff Tubman, who sometimes shows a notable lack of judgment, who suggested that the president would appoint somebody like Chris Christie or some other stooge. Now, Christie is the most popular, unpopular politician in New Jersey. He's himself up to eyeballs in all sorts of difficulties with respect to the stuff having to do with the bridges and the Port Authority. The thought that that would be a nominee that would be made or accepted seems to me to be totally preposterous on its face. So I think that the answer is there's always a heightened interest in this case and maybe some need for heightened security, uh, but I don't think that there's anything that remotely looks like a Watergate or a constitutional crisis, and people have to calm down and wait until the second act of this plays out.
0: If you read the letter that was issued from President Trump dismissing Jim Comey. Uh, The biggest substantive citation of problems with his tenure was the way that he handled the Hillary Clinton investigation for which he came in for a lot of criticism at the time. And Richard, I guess we have to break this into two parts, Uh, the first part being how valid is that criticism as a potential firing offense? The second, how plausible is it to you that that's the reason now given how much time has elapsed since that occurred?
1: Well, I I can't believe that it's the particular reason. They could have done this particular decision uh, back on January 21st if what they were worried about is Hillary, nothing else happening to happen. I think it may have something to do with the fact that Sally Quinn Yates testified yesterday about the complications associated with Flynn um, and his conversations with the Russian. That would be a much more obvious cause. But even if you put all of that aside, one of the things I think that makes this Comey thing so utterly ironic is that he intervened multiple times. The initial investigation that was done in March of 2015 of Hillary was done with kid gloves. I think virtually everything about it was completely improper, letting her have people who were under investigation as a counsel, uh, not trying to trap her by allowing her to get all the information in advance before she was required to give any statement. Uh, there was a piece by Noel Francisco and Jim Burnham, both now in the administration, which sort of indicated the complete contrast between that investigation and the one of whatever the man 's name was who was Governor of Virginia about the same time, uh, so I think that if you remember the Democrats were calling for comey 's head uh, a year ago in October. They said he blew the election. I thought that was crazy i don 't think he did it. I think deplorable statements, bad strategy, and a lot of other things had much greater weight. Um, But I don't believe that particular statement, and I think it was a mistake for the president to make it. Um, And I think, in effect, that as things start to go forward, there's going to be no revival of the Clinton investigation. But again, bad reasons don't mean that the choice is a constitutional crisis it means that the president is playing politics i do not praise him for that in fact i think it's probably a serious mistake to make that kind of a statement but that itself isn't a constitutional crisis it just indicates that the president is either acting on his own initiative or getting some bad advice i mean jeff Sessions is a somewhat controversial attorney general not my favorite choice for that particular office Um, so as far as i can see It's a mistake, but it doesn't strike me as a fatal one, and it doesn't justify some of the wild charges that are being made at the moment.
0: Sessions, of course, sent a letter to the president suggesting to him that this was the right move to make, and a lot of people are upset about that, Richard, because Sessions had to recuse himself from anything involving the Russian investigations because of the testimony he gave during his confirmation hearings regarding the interactions that he had had with – Russian diplomats and people are saying that this is deeply inappropriate for Sessions to weigh in on this particular issue with Comey given that he had to recuse himself on that front. Does that strike you as a valid criticism?
1: It's a fair point, but remember Rod Rosenstein, who was the second in command, also joined in the letter. I think that was done for political reasons. That is, Chessing can't do it himself, but the number two certainly can, and that man was not disqualified in any way, shape, or form from making this. Um, I don't believe that the political situation would have been much different if S- Sessions had remained quiet and the president announced that he acted on the recommendation of the deputy attorney general. Uh, my own view is that person is probably going to have responsibility for the oversight of the FBI. Beyond, and unless there's some particular charges that can be made of him of which I'm completely unaware it seems to me that this was a mistake but nothing is a fatal mistake look it seems to me to be a kind of a clumsy way in which this was handled and I don't want to give the president an A rating for things that seem to be somewhat puzzling both in terms of their timing and their method of execution uh, but if you're going to give him a B or a B minus that's not the same thing as saying We have to call for a special prosecutor, that we have a repeat of Watergate, that there's a national scandal, uh, that it turns out that the republic is in danger. Those statements strike me as being wildly overstated. The political system has done a pretty good job of keeping the excesses of Donald Trump in check thus far, and I don't believe that he's going to get out of control on this issue.
0: You mentioned the special prosecutor there a moment ago. Let me read to you something that Chuck Schumer, the Senate minority leader, tweeted a few hours before we we're recording this broadcast. First president – quoting him here. First, President Trump fired Sally Yates, then Preet Bharara, now Comey. Doesn't seem like an accident. We must have a special prosecutor. Now, you have already told us that that's not appropriate, but why don't you explain to us, Richard, when a special prosecutor would be appropriate?
1: Well, first of all, let's be very clear about the first two of these firings. Sally Quinn Yates was a holdover Democrat in the administration, and she refused to defend the Trump-first immigration order. That's perfectly appropriate grounds for dismissal. Um, Indeed, most people, not myself, believe that the entire order was legal, even though they thought it was excessive politically. That was the position, for example, as people as eminent as my Stanford colleague, Mike McConnell. Um, So I don't think there's that. Preet Bharara was a Democrat, and like most Democrats, when you come into a Republican, he's going to be in jeopardy. And he left with something of a stink, of course, but I don't think there was anything inappropriate about that. So now you get to this particular third case, and again, it's shady. I don't think that this is the kind of thing that itself would call for a special prosecutor. So what would require a special prosecutor? I think, generally speaking, to go outside the Justice Department, as they did way back when, when Ted Olson was investigated by Alexa Morrison, is a terrible mistake, and we got rid of that statute. One of the few genuinely prophetic Scalia opinions done very early when he was on the Supreme Court was to indicate that this process as an effort to over control, over, oversee a conflict of interest created more difficulties than it eliminated. I think time has proved him right. If there's going to be a special prosecutor now, it's going to be somebody with moderate insulation inside the Justice Department. There's going to be a huge battle who that's going to be by way of an appointment. Schumer will surely yell at anybody who's appointed by Rosenstein because uh, I don't think it's going to be done by Jeff so I think in effect it's just another chapter in the drama Uh, again, what one I think has to do is to wait for Mr. Rosenstein to say what's going to happen with the investigation going further, and if it turns out he wants to have one inside the Justice Department with various kinds of constraints I think that's appropriate, but there's a real risk of that, Um, this could be a process that could take some time generate all sorts of responses some negotiation with that particular person on how it's to uh, proceed so as best I would see, what I would hope would happen is that the deputy attorney general and the acting director of the FBI would continue the investigation in whatever form they happen to think it's appropriate. Um, I don't think that this is a crisis mode and until I know more information I'm not going to join in with Schumer who just to make a kind of obvious point about it has a pretty powerful partisan interest of his own in this particular area. He will do everything he can to discredit the president. The man who opposed Neil Gorsuch is a man who should not be trusted on any matter of judgment.
0: One of the virtues of you and I having done shows together for years is that uh, on occasion, especially with people who are constantly in the public eye, I get to see how you're thinking about somebody evolves. And I remember early on when Jim Comey took this position, um, you saying on several of our broadcasts that Jim Comey was a, a pretty straight shooter and somebody who seemed pretty insulated from the political considerations you might worry about with other potential appointees. You were also though pretty critical of him as he bobbled some of these things with Hillary Clinton last year. I wonder now that we're looking at his tenure at the FBI in its entirety, now that it's over, uh, how do you judge Comey as a whole, the entire tenure?
1: Well, I guess reluctantly I'd have to regard him as a modest failure. The fact that he's fired is one thing. The fact that the Democrats would have had him fired earlier on was another. There were other cases in which I think he showed serious lapses of judgment. The most egregious were A, uh, when he simply gave a softball examination of Hillary back in March of 2015. If he had done a really tough thing then, I think there was a pretty strong case for prosecution that would have completely transformed the 2016 election. But he chose to soft pedal it. And of of course, the Obama Justice Department did the same thing, and then when it comes to the 2016 thing, where he starts to bring this up again, it's kind of mysterious, and he gets the wrath of the Democrats. Um, I'm not sure that this was a mistake, but on the other hand, I'm not sure that it was the right decision as well. But the thing that bothered me the most about all of this was there was the occasion when Loretta Lynch met with um, Bill Clinton on the airplane and had to disqualify herself, and she said that she would be bound by any decision. That Jim Comey wanted to make. I regarded that as a terrible decision on her part. She does not have the power to delegate the decisions on whether to prosecute or not to the FBI head. That should have been delegated to the Deputy Attorney General. That's exactly what Eric Holder said. Rare that I agree with him, but on this point he was right on the money. And then what Comey should have said is, I will not do that. I will give you the information. I will give it to you in quiet. Then he goes out and he makes this milquetoast, rather terrible statement in which the genius manages to tell us that there is a huge difference between serious negligence and reckless behavior. Um, it's a semantic difference. Everybody knew it at the time. Uh, that was, I think, his biggest misfeasance in the office. What he should have said is, "I'm going to follow normal protocol." The Justice Department has to decide what it did. But what he did, in effect, is he got Loretta Lynch off the hook by issuing a totally inadequate statement. She, in turn, said, "See now, my hands are bound, and I could get out of it." And this was shenanigans, a number one, which managed to spare Hillary what might have been very serious charges. I don't think he gets any good credit for that. What happens is he's not a politician. He started to get involved with these things. He's dealing with some pretty difficult characters. Hillary Clinton's one of the more shifty politicians who's ever played the game, and Donald Trump is pretty close behind her. And when you are trying to figure out how you fox those guys, in the end, you're going to come out looking very, very bad. So I think in the end, he will go down as a disappointment. Remember, at every point Or at at each and every point of this there was at least one or another faction that was calling for his head and I don't think that you could remain in office when there's nobody who's strongly behind you and in fact the simplest explanation for getting rid of Comey is that people had lost confidence in him because of the accumulated set of errors it's not that they had unidirectional to them but if you make a blunder of once in favor of Clinton and then another one in favor of Trump we just don't want more blunders coming up in a very difficult terrain and so Lord knows that the president that as Trump may have decided he wanted to do this to short circuit the investigation of the influence of the Russians on this campaign I don't think he has all that much to fear from that particular stuff uh, but I don't even think that he'll be able to short circuit it he is going to be under a microscope everybody's going to look hard at him and if he makes a bogus appointment The political price that he will have to pay in the Republican and the Democratic Party will be enormous, and he will not be able to get a confirmation of his chosen nominee uh, as a successor to the head of the FBI.
0: Which leads us logically to the last thing that I was going to ask you today because, as you've mentioned multiple times in the course of this talk, whoever that nominee is – … is definitely going to be under the glare of the spotlight here. So I'm not talking so much about that individual's identity, but what what are the traits? What do you need in the next FBI director to install the kind of confidence that it seems like Comey lost?
1: What you need is an FBI director who kind of looks a little bit like Edward Levy when he became attorney general in 1974 after the entire Justice Department under Nixon had completely crated. You want somebody who has an impeccable recommendation. You want somebody who's known for his independence or for her judgment in this particular case. Finding somebody who's been an ex-judge might not be a bad thing under these circumstances. Somebody who has experience with respect to national security issues would certainly kind of hope. Um, but you would want it to be somebody whose reputation is completely unquestioned on every conceivable front that you can attack that particular person. I'm not versed enough with who the potential universe of nominees would be. Somebody suggested a name and I knew something, I would say something about it. Uh, But I would think some judge who had recently retired um, and who seemed to know what this field was about would be a pretty good choice to do that so long as they have some criminal experience. Although, ironically, one of the things one always has to say, uh, the person who runs an organization His major skill or her major skill has to be in running an organization. It doesn't matter all that much what it is. You don't have to be an expert on fingerprinting or in any particular substantive area. That's the job of the various divisional chiefs that you have underneath. Your job is to make sure that all of these people work with one another, cooperate, you sync things. My favorite illustration of this is a guy like Louis Gerstner. He ran the Bisco Cookies for a while, then he went to IBM. Everybody knows that the cookie business and the computer business both have... Have cookies so they're the same business didn't make a difference <laughs> bad joke it didn't make a difference that he went from one business to another what he had was superb organizational skills and matchless integrity and that's what you have to be looking for in this particular case whether trump will do it i do not know but if he doesn't he will have a horrific price to pay because people like myself who are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt at least in the short run will turn strongly against him
0: all right Thank you, Richard, and thank you to our listeners. And remember, you can find Richard's weekly column, The Libertarian, by visiting definingideas at hoover.org. And you can follow him on Twitter at Richard A. Epstein. For the Hoover Institution, I'm Troy Sinek. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more information about our work, please visit hoover.org.